0: Second Timothy, three starting in verse 16 and seventeen. Second Timothy 3:16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today, and I ask you to anoint me to preach your word, Lord. I pray that it would come forth with great love, Lord, for you and for your people. And I pray for the hearts of the hearers today, God, that even now you would till up the soil that you would cause our hearts to receive maybe a hard word, a thing that's difficult to understand. I pray that as your word goes forth, it would bear fruit for your glory. And I pray for your fresh filling, God, to be spirit-led. People don't need to hear from me. They just want to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that would happen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> I would... I would like to ask if you served in military, would you mind standing up? If you served in the military, would you stand up or are serving? We want to thank you guys for your service. Thank you so much. Don't say that enough. Well. You're saying, I thought we were in Romans. Why in the world did you start with 2 Timothy 16? Because probably in all of the chapters in the Bible, this is probably the most difficult to study, not because it isn't clear what it is saying. It's just that we as people have a hard time receiving it. Um... It is, it is tough. Some preachers actually skip over Romans chapter 9. Or they try to make it say it's about nations, not individuals. It's a difficult chapter. Um, when you're preaching through entire books, you don't get the privilege of skipping chapters. And so today uh, we're going to look at this because it is an uncomfortable truth for some. But whatever your position, whatever your position is, you cannot ignore in the Word of God predestination or divine election. You can't ignore it. And so today's Word, usually when I have discussions with people about this, I just say, well, read Romans chapter 9 and explain it to me then. Tell me what it says. We're going to have three uh, sermons on Romans chapter 9. I'm going to answer one question today, another question next week, and a third question two weeks from today. The main point today is this, that God's sovereignty in unconditional election is the basis for our assurance of salvation and eternal security. Again, the the term divine election, unconditional election, or predestination, they're meaning the same. Okay, so if I interchange those words, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Paul's got a problem on his hands, okay? He just made a bunch of promises to people in this letter that he wrote to the Romans in chapter 8. He's making some promises that no matter what happens, God is going to fulfill those promises. Well, he's speaking primarily to Jewish people and to, some, to Gentiles as well. But the Jewish believers, okay, have a question that they're struggling with. And it's this. Does God's chosen people, the Jews, Israel, does their rejection of Christ as a whole, does their rejection of Christ as Messiah and their opposition to the gospel, does that mean that God's promises have failed? Because they're the promised nation. They're the... They're the chosen people, and the vast majority of them aren't following after Christ, aren't opposing the gospel. Paul knows this. That's what he did. That's what he did. So he is thinking as a Jewish man, and he's saying, okay, I just laid this out, and as a Jewish man, these are the problems that I had, and so he's answering this question, because... If God's promises have failed, that he chose Israel and yet the vast majority of Israel is not receiving Christ as their Messiah or embracing the gospel, then if that's true, then the promises that he made to all believers in Romans chapter 8, they might fail too. Now that's the focus of Romans chapter 9 that he's going to address. He deals with these three questions. Let's take a look at God's word. I actually went back so we, we could see the, the train of thought here in Romans chapter 9. So we start in Romans 8.38. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am speaking the truth. Saying that that's, it's true. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. You have to see how Romans chapter 9 starts. Paul is writing this and he loves the Jewish people. And he knows that what he's about to say is hard for them to hear. And his heart is breaking for the Jewish people, God's chosen people. It goes on in verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's saying, I wish I could do something about it, even if it cost me everything. Well, he just said nothing can separate us. So what that is, that's a picture. He's trying to express the depth of his love For his people, the Jews. That's what he's saying. I wish I could. You know, we say this as parents sometimes. Oh God, let me suffer, not them. Right? Same principle. Same principle. And he goes on. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, According to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. They have all these advantages. Look at what you have done, God. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. All these things God had done in the nation of Israel, gave them the law, his glory was there, Shekinah glory on the mountain. Uh, All these things happened, the patriarchs and even the Messiah, Jesus, came through the Jewish nation. They have all these advantages. So why are they not following Christ? Why are they not receiving the gospel? Clearly, God must have failed in his promises. And so Paul's addressing that, and he goes, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. The word of God meaning the promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel Belong to Israel he's addressing this question and he's basically saying that to understand how God's promises when he that he made to Abraham your descendants will be like the stars in the sky the promises that, that they are his the apple of God's eye in Jeremiah 31 all those promises to understand how God's promises have not failed, you have to understand this truth, is what Paul's saying, that God did not choose all the Israelites or the Jews to be saved. All of Israel is not Israel. That's what he's saying. He's saying, now wait a minute. All of Israel is not Israel. In other words, he's saying this. Not all the physical... Or ethnic Jews are Israel. But Israel is a spiritual Israel. It's bigger than a national Israel. You know, the blood. I'm I'm German, I'm Belgian, and I'm Bohemian. Right? And that's my nationality. And I don't get special privileges because of that any of those nationalities, but the Jews thought they did. And he's saying, No, wait a minute. All of Israel isn't about your ethnic background because you were born a Jew. Israel is much bigger than that. There's a spiritual Israel. That's what Paul's getting to, and he'll explain it now as he goes step by step. Look at following 9, 7 through uh, 9. So we're just going right through Romans 9, verse by verse. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. Whoa. But... Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. Not by nationality. They're not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. Now he's explaining. who are. Where does this come from? For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. What was occurring here? Well, we have to understand what God is doing in this section of scripture and through history up till this point. God chose one pagan, one guy, in Ur of the Chaldeans. It was a city. They estimate that the population in that city at that time was around 65,000 people. See, we always think the ancient cities were like 10, 15 people, maybe 200, a big city. This was like 65,000 people in, the Ur, of, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And God chose one pagan, Abraham, Abram, until God changed his name one guy Abram and he made a promise to Abram I'm going to bless you I'm going to make your descendants greater than number than the stars in the sky and I will take you he I'll take you to a promised land he made all these promises to this guy Abram and like I said poor Sarah at that time you know Abraham comes home and says hey I'm a pagan and he says I just talked to God and God told me to leave, go to a land that I will show you. And poor Sarah, she didn't have that experience. So she's just saying, okay, I'll, I'll trust you, husband. One man out of 65,000, God chose. And the line of Abraham's natural descendants is not the same. As the line of promise. His descendants. The descendants of Abraham, physical descendants of Abraham, is not the same as the physical, or yeah, as the physical descendants of the promise line. Difference. You say, how can you say that? Because of this. Did you know that Abraham had eight children with three different wives, or three different ladies? Eight children. The first one, was Ishmael with Hagar. Remember that? God had made a promise to Abraham that he was going to have a great descendants you couldn't even count. And Abraham was getting old. Things were not working the way they should when it comes to having children. And so what happened was, Abraham and Sarah decided to take it into their own hands. And Sarah said, you can lie with my servant, Hagar. And Abraham did, and that's who Ishmael is. Ishmael was born. He's the the father of the Arab tribes. So that's the first kid, that Abraham. Second one is the child of promise. God said, hey, listen, in a year from now, Sarah's going to be pregnant. She's going to have a child, the child of promise. Sarah had a child. His name is Isaac. And through that line comes the promise. What's this all about? And then Abraham had six more sons with Keturah. She was, there's a question whether she was a, a, a house servant or his wife. Many think she began maybe as a house servant when Sarah died. Maybe then he, she became his wife. But that was common back then. So he had eight children. So if you were going to say who is the line, you know, what is the, the nation of Israel? Well, they come all out of Abraham, but he had eight kids. But there was one specific line that was a line of promise. You see where I'm going with this? God's slowly bringing it. Paul is explaining this, but remember, that's why I started out with all scripture. could be tough to hear some things. All scripture is God-breathed. What we see is this. Ishmael is known as the child of, of the flesh why because Abraham and Sarah took it into their own hands to try to fulfill God's promise you take my concubine so what happened is is that he is known as the child of the flesh because he was naturally born by the will of man it's real important to understand it Ishmael was born naturally by the will of man. Abraham and Sarah decided they were going to fulfill the promise that God made them in their own strength, in the flesh, by their will. Now what happens is this. Isaac was a completely different child. Isaac was the child of promise. He's the guy. Why? Why? Because he was supernaturally born. It wasn't by the will of men. Sarah and Abraham were too old to have children. Said, so What was he, uh, 100 and she was 90 or something like that? You say, that's not possible. Yeah, that's the point. You see, what happened is, is God did the, another miracle. Sarah becomes pregnant, and what occurs is that this child is born supernaturally. There's no human explanation for that, and that's why he was known as being born by the will of God. Child of the flesh, by the will of man, Ishmael, Isaac, child, uh, child of the promise, by the will of God. And what we see here is a picture of what God is starting to paint: is that people who are born of God, born again, as it says in the New Testament. It's a supernatural thing that God does. It's supernatural. It's not about us doing anything. It's about God doing something. By the will of God is what he's laying out. He's saying there was one man chosen out of 65,000, a pagan. He could have picked anybody, but he picked Abram. And then Abram had eight children, and out of one of those was the line of promise. By the will of God miraculous, miraculous. And then he says, you know what? This is a picture. This is a picture of spiritual birth when we, by God's grace, understand that we're sinners separated from God. God opens up our eyes to that. And then we see, you know what? There's no hope for me. I'm separated from God. And my good deeds, doesn't matter how many I have, I still have bad deeds that need to be paid for. And that's why God sent his son Jesus. And you start seeing these things. You see, God's doing a miracle. He's opening up your eyes because there's so many people that read the Bible that don't understand what it means. And it's not hard to understand if you start reading it. I want to challenge everybody in here. If there's any of you that think the Bible is too hard to understand, that's why I don't read it, start reading it. Tell me that in in a couple of months. You realize that God sent his son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, without sin, in thought, word, or deed. He met the requirements to spend eternity in heaven for us because we can't meet those. Then he died on the cross, was punished for the sins of all who would believe. If you're a believer today, Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins. And what happens is is that God keeps opening up your eyes. This is a miracle of spiritual, supernatural birth that happened in your life if you're a believer today. And then you get to that place where you say, I'm guilty as charged, God. I'm guilty. I am separated from you, and I can't be good enough. I can't meet the requirements you have. Forgive me. Lord, I want to ask you, Lord Jesus, to be my savior and a forgiver of my sins. Right at that moment, that place of repentance is where supernatural birth happens. That's a work of God. See, we like to sneak it in there and say, well, it was all about me. It's not all about you. It It says in Scripture in John that no one comes to the Father unless he draws them. God's got to do this work. And He's throughout all of history, he's starting to show pictures of this. And Isaac and Ishmael was one of those pictures. Well, now, Paul, stay with me here, Israel was born supernaturally, or Ishmael, Isaac was born supernaturally. Take a look at these verses, just so you know. Galatians 4.28. Now you brothers, the Galatians, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. He's talking to Jews and Gentiles. That's hard to receive. He says, listen, you believers in Galatia, you're children of the promise. You know what that means? At La Crescent Evangelical Free Church today, if you have by put your... Trust in God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, and not works. That means you are a child of the promise. That's what the word of God means here. You're a child of the promise. And then 1 John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. This is wonderful. He came to his own, and his own people, the Jews. Jesus was born a Jew. He came to the Jews, did not receive him. That's a point that Paul is addressing here too. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's another term that's true about you if you've received the gift of salvation. Who Who become children of God, who were born, look at this, not of the will of the flesh, Describing what happened with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. Nor, oh I'm sorry, who were born not of blood, nationality, national Israelite, nor of the will of the flesh. This gets uncomfortable here. By man's decision. Nor the will of man. But what? But of God. He's saying your salvation isn't about The nation you were born in, it's not about your will, it's about God's will. That's what it says. And things start making sense. So that's what Paul is addressing here. And he's going through history showing how God did this. And then Paul realizes something. If you're a Jew, you're going to have an argument here. You know what the argument is? Ah, Paul. Isaac and Ishmael? Makes sense that Ishmael would be the chosen one. Oh, I'm sorry, Isaac would be the chosen one. You know why? Because they had different moms. Makes all the sense in the world to a Jewish person. Yeah, whoa, yeah. That, he, Isaac had to be the child of the promise because Sarah was his mom. So Paul anticipates this question and that's why he comes back. And says, well, let's talk about something else then. Take a look at God's word. We continue on in Romans chapter 9. So all these thoughts are building. Romans chapter 9, verses 10 through 11. And not only so, but also Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac. So he's saying, that's not just it. This, this pattern of God choosing is Abram, Isaac, Then Isaac had a wife named Rebecca, and something happened with Rebecca. She had twins. She had twins. This argument that they had different moms is gone. This argument that they're different, you can't get two people closer than twins, right? I mean, it's incredible how how identical they can be. I'm wondering, I'm really, really honestly wondering, when I get to heaven, I'm really wondering if Jacob and Esau were identical twins, I'll bet you they were. Anyway, that's just my own speculation. Look at what it says here. Uh, Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that, look at why, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she, who she Rebecca, Isaac's wife, was told, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. I want to go back a little bit to verse 12. The older will serve the younger. If you read the Bible, Esau did not serve uh, his brother Jacob. Jacob is the tribe of Israel. You know who the tribe of is. From Esau, the Edomites. And the Edomites did serve the Israelites. That, was, that prophecy was fulfilled. But now he says something that we struggle with, we don't understand. For it is as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What is that? Well, I want to show you something that happens in the Word of God that was common back then. And I want to start with using a familiar scripture. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If, this is Jesus speaking. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So what in the world is Paul getting at when he quotes this Old Testament scripture about Jacob I loved, Esau I hated? What's happening here is he's using a Semitic idiom. And what it does is this. It highlights a comparison by stating in absolute terms, extreme terms. Is Jesus telling, if you're a believer today, is Jesus telling you to hate your father? I mean, just hate him? No, it's not what he's saying. He's saying hate your mom, hate your brothers and your sisters. He's saying, listen, in comparison to your love for me, it should seem as if you hate them. Because your passion and your love for me is so deep. He's not telling you to hate them. He's saying, in comparison, it should look like that. That you love him that deeply. And that's the picture that we have here. Because God chose Jacob as the line of the promised seed. What that means is, the Messiah, the deliverer of Israel, our Savior, would come through Jacob's line. And that was such an incredible privilege that the fact that God